Well, we've made it to the top of the World Tower! Wow, I can see my continent from here. Um, shouldn't there be a boss or something up here? Oh, come on, guys. Let's go home. Guys? <laughs> uh, who are you? Yeah. I am the creator of a video game world. You stole that from the Truman Show. No, I didn't. This is 1990, you nitwits. Who are you calling nitwits? Yeah, let's, it's beat town time, guys. I'm so contentious of you, I throw my hat to the ground. Have a taste of my infinity plus one sword. Wish, wish. Ha! That little toy. Eat lead, weird hat man. Pew, pew, pew. Should I turn into the broad side of a barn? Maybe then you could hit me. I'll call forth mystic powers. Bang, pop. How fizz. Hey, that tickles. Uh, this looks like a job for my handy-dandy chainsaw. <laughs> Wait, what? No, no, wait. Hail to the king, baby. Just killed God with a chainsaw. Yeah, groovy. And I owe it all to RPG Backtrack. Let's go. Welcome to RPG Backtrack number 38, The Sega Begins, and finally get to welcome back my good friend, Mr. Mike Miki. It's so great to have you back on the show. Yeah, I'm back. Yeah. I won't be doing too much talking tonight because I am not the subject who knows most about what we're talking about, but dang it, I'm here. I'm here to encourage the people who do know all about this. <laughs> well, you'll always be the number one Mike on this show, but we also have door no- behind door number two, Michael Apps. How are you doing? How are things going for you, Mr. Apps? Uh, not too bad. Good, good. And with us for the first time, hiding behind... No, it's not the first... Is it the first time? I think it's the first time. Yes, hiding yes, behind door number three is Mr. Michael Baker. Welcome to the show. Nice to be here. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, well, we'll come back to you in just a second. We also want to welcome back Mr. Zach Wellhouse. Hello. How are you we doing? We are talking about my Pokemon today, right? Oh, got to catch them all. That I'm sure we'll be talking about we'll be talking about quite a few things tonight. But uh, first, let's talk about Mr. Baker. His first time on RPG Backtrack. We have to give him the proper welcome. Roll out the red carpet for him, Mr. Baker. Why don't you do us a great big favor and tell our listening audience who you are and what you do at RP Gamer? Well, yeah. So yeah, I'm Michael Baker. Uh, Usually go by Gaijin on the boards, and uh, I do Jap- um, Japandemonium. Hmm. And uh, I play a lot of games nobody's ever heard of. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your gaming history? Well, let's, mm, where to start? Well, RPG started with Game Boy back around '92, so my first RPG was actually Final Fantasy Legend Two. 
for the longest time because it was about the only one that I could rent from my local store. And um, finally got a Super Nintendo much, much later and PlayStation in college. And um, hmm, right, now, um, right now I'm just playing a lot of PlayStation games. A lot of PlayStation games. Coolie, coolie. And um, what's your favorite type of RPG? I don't know if I actually have a favorite type. I, I just play a lot of different things. Um, right now on my table here I have one race car RPG, one action RPG, one I'm not quite sure what the heck it is RPG, and one Lovecraftian horror RPG. Mm. Yep. Would you say you explore the, the back ranks of the PS1 and you're going to find a lot of strange stuff, I think. <laughs> yes. Yes, you are. Yes. What's your, what's your favorite RPG of all time? Harder to say. Um, a Chrono Trigger, I think, is screaming at me. So, yes, Chrono Trigger. Chrono Trigger. Very nice. Very nice. Well, welcome to the show, Mr. Baker. We're going to take just a few minutes, and we'll be right back to talk about a few games that have to do with uh, Sega. We'll be right back. I know it as Final Fantasy Legends because that's what it said on my Game Boy when I bought the game. So let's start off talking. It said Sega at least twice. Let's let's talk about let's talk about Final Fantasy Legend One. What is it called over in Japan, Mike? Makayatoshi Saga. Yeah, what you just said. That or Demon World Tower Chronicle Saga. Translation. Mm. Ah, ah. A lot more succinct in Japanese. Yeah, usually is. Hmm. Well, final. Well, it was, I think it was actually said the Final Fantasy Legend on the front of the box, but um, uh, here in America, when it was released in 1990, uh, September 30th, 1990, to be uh, exact. And uh, this was published by Square for your Game Boy, not the Game Boy Color, not the Game Boy Advance. We're talking about the good old-fashioned black-and-white Game Boy. This is a console RPG single-player experience um, on a um, <laughs> on a two-megabit cartridge. So what is that, half a megabyte or something? Isn't that a quarter? Yeah, a quarter. Yeah, a quarter of a megabyte. Wow. There's a lot to explain the amount of story found in the first two Final Fantasy Legend games. They didn't, they didn't have the space to put any text in. And um, so let me start off by asking a big question. Because when I played this after playing Final Fantasy on the Nintendo, this was mm-hmm. totally different. Instead of having black wizards and white wizards, I think I remember something like mutants and... Weird thing. If we had gotten the original Final Fantasy 2, maybe it would have seemed more similar. (laughs) Not particularly. No, there there were mutants in this thing. I mean, holy cow, I had people in my party that were uh, were eating other things, I believe. I mean, what happened? Well, monsters can change into other monsters. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that wasn't in my Final Fantasy Nintendo version. It wasn't even in mm-hmm. Final Fantasy 4 on my Super Nintendo later on. What where did this come from? 
came from the very imaginative mind of the main developer. That is correct. So, tell us about this story. Who wants to talk about this story? You climb to the top of the world to see what's up there. Pretty much. Pretty much. <laughs> so there, there was there wasn't a lot of space on the game cartridge for story. Mm. So the first two games they kind of give you a target to aim for, and then the story just kind of happens to you along the way, and yeah. And there were there were plasma rifles and chainsaws. Those weren't in Final Fantasy One. Well, maybe they should have been. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they, they, I mean, they had a giant robot boss in Final Fantasy One, didn't they? Hmm. Yeah, Wormick. I'm pretty sure because I think they also brought it back for Final Fantasy Legend too. Hmm. Yes, they did. I, it was in there. Yes, they did. So, so <laughs> Final Fantasy Legend. That's this is uh, according to the notes here takes place on several worlds that has a large tower in the middle of it, uh, built by the uh, creator who. We probably just heard talking to us in the skit earlier on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there's there's uh, you know four major worlds that you have to go through: um, uh, world of ocean, yeah. the world of sky, world of ruin, and the first world or something, the continent or something. First world is just Earth. Yeah. Yeah. So. So, so the rumor about there being a third world on Earth is complete bunk. Sounds like. Hmm. Ah, what? do you hear that silence? That's the sound of something crashing and burning. I'll shut up. Pretty much, yes. So you have to. So the idea is to get up to this tower. I'm not even exactly sure why. I can't even remember what motivation we were given to go up the tower. It's so long since I played this. Not um, a motivation. Well, well, can I ask you this? If there, were, if you lived in a world where there was a giant tower going all the way up to the sky, wouldn't you be curious? I think that's pretty much the entire reason. Yeah. Do you, do you need any more motivation than that? Well, that 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 would probably be fair enough. Except there's beasties in the tower. What would make me want to there's go and fight of those beasties in the world? Well, yeah, I should just stay home and close the doors. <laughs> was the world of Earth a prison, or was it dying, or something? Or did I make that up myself because I was only given such a scant backstory? I think you were making it up. I, the only real problem I could think of with any of the worlds was that, like, each world had some sort of giant monster causing problems. But the first one would only show up once you actually finished the statue in the first town. Yeah, that's true. There wasn't yeah. too much going on in the first world. No. I think there was a like somebody got kidnapped and everyone was saying, "Please save my daughter," and it turned out to be a the daughter ended up being an eyeball monster. <laughs> so so was everybody else in the town, but that might be grounds for disinheritance. So, like you said, there there wasn't really a, a, whole, a whole lot of plot. It was getting up the tower, and every time you hit a you know another level, you got into another world and find out what their what. You know what was their problem was before you start climbing up even further and whatnot. You'd get the uh, a big monster thing. Yeah, and then you get a sphere so that you could go up further up on the tower and whatnot. Um, and um, so, but when you get to the top, you you find this creator 
godlike dude again alluded to in our skit here and <laughs> and um and and he mentions that the reason he he made all this tower connecting all these worlds or whatever the deal was was basically because he wanted to see good fight evil and that kind of and he was bored and you know and he offers the party uh, some sort of present or gift or something, and they rejected it because they didn't care much for being manipulated and decided to kick him in the teeth or whatnot. And um, no, no, chainsaw, 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 chainsaw. And uh, they attack. Uh, once they once you beat them, there's a door leading to an unlocation, but the party decides to return to their own world. Aw, so they they'll go into the door that goes up to the f- four levels of the tower. But when they beat the creator, and there's another door going somewhere else. Ah, oh, that's a little too much effort. <laughs> <laughs> that's just that's just a little too much. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, so Zach is saying here that uh, Paradise is supposed to be at the top. Fair enough. So Paradise is supposed to be at the top. Apparently nobody wanted to go into Paradise. They were more happy dealing with hell back on Earth. So, so what was... It was just purgatory. Yeah. You, you know, yeah. you actually find, like, a little world of Paradise going up the tower. I think it's in between the first and second worlds. Yeah, it's just this tiny little spot where everybody thinks they're already in Paradise because it's nice yeah. and sunny and there's good, nice weather, you know. So I think what was kind of – I mean when I played this, and I, I played this back on the, the the original Game Boy way back in the day. I don't remember exactly what year I picked it up. I probably – I got it out of a pawn shop or something along those lines. Um, and I think this was my – well, it definitely was my first taste of of uh, s- s- uh, saga type of gameplay where your stats increased uh, – uh, you know, throughout the battles individually, was this one of those games where they they increased based on what you were using, right? Or did they um, just increase? This one, this one had a lot more variety. Humans actually had to take vitamin supplements to gain stats. Yes. Mm. So they didn't get and, like they didn't get like like skill points automatically after battle or anything like that. No. No. O- only the mutants did. Oh, the mutants yes, did. And- okay. The mutants sometimes would get skills that literally had no function. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well. Which always drove me nuts as a kid. Because I, I was convinced that they actually did something, and I could never figure it out. <laughs> um, so really, the monsters the eating monst- meat. Yeah. They had the most sensical system. They find meat, they eat it, they get stronger. Or they change into something else, but yeah. that system had its own little quirks, and sometimes you might accidentally change yourself into something really weak. Yes. Yeah. Which and is something they fixed for the remakes, thankfully. So, and the humans would also gain a better ability through what they were equipping, right? Um, I mean, yeah, the w- different weapons had different attack powers, but in order to raise the base stats, they had to take supplements. Yeah. Human is saying, you know, that the humans could have like eight items. Is saying that the that the uh, mutants four and the monsters none. Which now I kind of remember that part. So by stacking items on people, you could you could you could really uh, make them really tough pretty pretty early. It was a matter of finding enough things. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, but uh, hmm. 
It was basic. I mean, it was basic combat. It was just really, um, you know, you you have, you know, you see the monsters on the screen, I believe, and you just pull, you know, whatever attacks you were going to, and we'd just kind of go back and forth like any standard JRPG. I just thought it was very different for me, anyways. The whole way that you would buff up your characters, and uh, for the most part, based on what you equipped or the monsters, it would be based on uh, what they ate or whatever have you. It was just very, very different. Yes, it was. It's definitely one of the hallmarks of the series, I feel, how it handles leveling up differently than lots of the other games that were out there at the time. Yeah, and I I mean, how did this game, I mean, because later on we got we got uh, Saga games, I remember playing, you know, Saga, whatever it was called, um, on the PlayStation 1 and stuff, I still got it today somewhere, but why wasn't this called Saga, why was it called Final Fantasy, because it does, it, doesn't seem to, in retrospect, doesn't seem to directly tie into the Final Fantasy in any way, shape, or form. It's, marketing. Ah, marketing. Very. Why, why was the Why was the first Mana game listed as the Final Fantasy Adventure? I thought that actually had Final Fantasy in the name in Japan. Mm-hmm. It was Final Fantasy Gaiden Seiken Densetsu. Yeah. yeah. That one at least made more sense. Slightly, yeah. It did, but it's, yeah. Still all marketing. And then it yep. promptly became its own series. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Well, let's see. This was an early Game Boy title, so how does it look now? <laughs> <laughs> the monster art is nice. Yeah. And this is the first game before uh, Kenji Ito, that's right. Did the soundtrack right? So how's the music for an old Game Boy game? Pretty good. Yeah. It some was surprisingly some of the music. good at getting some good music out of that thing. Yeah. Now, if you go back, if you go back and you read the reviews um, today, they they can be pretty pretty harsh. I mean, I when looking into this, um, and if you look at even our own website, RP Gamer. Um, there's a lot of low scores for this game, but uh, again, this you gotta really, you, you know, this is really something you do for nostalgic sake because you're talking about this is one of, if not the first uh, RPG coming out here in the United States for the Game Boy. I mean, we're talking, not I think the release date I just said was 1990. So I mean, uh, to have this in your hand, regardless of the fact that it was limited, regardless of the fact that the graphics aren't going to blow you away, well, it's the Game Boy. <laughs> Um, nothing, yeah. nothing about the Game Boy blows anybody away. I mean, hell, you had to hold it underneath the light with a magnifying glass to see it clearly half the time. Uh, <laughs> but, but uh, to have this RPG in your hand that you could take with you and play anywhere uh, was really, really something else uh, for the time. And uh, and I think that when people uh, go back and play today, you gotta you gotta definitely look at it through those eyes because you can't appreciate it if you don't. Now, how many battery sets did everybody go through playing this? Many. Many. Many, many. Uh, enough, that, enough that my parents actually invested in a battery recharger just so that they <laughs> keep the overall cost down. Yeah. And that's interesting because I, I don't remember I don't remember how long I actually spent playing it or whatnot. But I didn't I read read somewhere that uh that the original concept of the game was that it could be complete in six to eight hours. 
that that was based on the flight. <laughs> based uh, I'm reading here is based on the duration of an airplane airplane flight between Narita, Japan, and Honolulu, Hawaii. Um. <laughs> I've heard similar things before. Um, like within the last couple of years, uh, Mr. Ito was quoted as saying something similar for Saga Two, Final Fantasy Legend Two. It was supposed to be completed in about twelve hours, which I have never ever managed to do. Yeah, me neither. It'd be, it would be time to train for the speed run. It would be cool to have an, you know, there, and there's no reason why you couldn't do it these days. It would be cool to have our RPGs that were like kind of condensed and you could get through in ten hours. People have busy lives nowadays. Yeah. So yeah, I, I found I found that speed run message thread that I mentioned earlier before we started. The target time is seventy nine minutes for Final Fantasy Legend. Mm-hmm. Total. How often has it been achieved? I'm not sure yet. Plus, that was using an emulator, right? I think it was. At least they, there's a lot of discussion of um, various codes within the RAM. Tool-assisted superplay, yeah. it's. I think it's emulator. Eh. Mm. Oh, yeah, using an emulator, you can usually make games a lot shorter. Hmm. <laughs> So, is there anything else that you all want to add about Final Fantasy Legend 1 or whatever Mr. Baker said it was really called in Japan um, before we head on to the next one on the list? There was actually... Go ahead, Mr. Rams. Oh, yes, go ahead. There was actually an updated version of this for the Wonderswan Color, which I really wish we had gotten somehow. Yeah, why didn't we get the Wonderswan out of Japan? Yeah, you need to ask. Sometimes it, some questions are rhetorical, but yeah, just asking them. <laughs> yeah, I know. I I have a Wonder Swan. It stopped working about four years ago, but it wasn't wasn't the best little thing I ever had. Yeah. Yeah. I still have my original Final Fantasy Legend game cartridge. Yeah. Mm. Hey, well, as somewhere. of right now, there's no other way to play it without using sure. an emulator, but on the Game Boy. Sure. So. Sure. Yeah, uh, plus, plus. From, every, from everything I've heard, the Wonder Swan remake was a very nice graphical remake, but it didn't actually change much of the game. Uh, that'd be that'd be fine by me. I just want to play it in color. Yeah, I, I mean, and it's it was a mega bit. I mean, it, it was or half a gig, whatever we just said, half a meg. I mean, yeah, half a gig. Wouldn't that be something else? Um, it was half a meg. I mean, there just there wasn't going to be a lot in that game to begin with. If you add a couple of options, cards have half a gig on them. You know, it's funny is if you have a if you add a couple of optional dungeons to it, it's what seven hundred kilobytes. <laughs> it just what it is just it. Yeah, but- it's short. Then look what they did with the other two games in the series. Well, we'll talk about yeah, that in true. just a tiny yeah, minute. Yeah, we're we're gonna save those for their very own segment at the end. They're just <laughs> uh, so special. But um, I I don't know. I think I think I I, I think that you have to if you want to appreciate this game, you definitely have to think. Uh, you know, you definitely have to put yourself in that frame of mind of having this RPG in your hand and having characters in a party that you... And it was nice that you could pick exactly how many humans and mutants and whatnot you wanted in the party, but the fact that you had this party that you had so much control over, it was just... I, I can't convey with just words just being able to have that power in your hand that you could carry around in your backpack or whatever have you. Um, as mm-hmm. limited as it seems
seems to us today, if you go back and play, it's an extremely rudimentary uh, RPG, and and the you know the graphics are going to look very heinous, especially heaven forbid you do a full screen emulator on this guy. Um, <laughs> but that's uh, but um, but you know um, it, but that was at the time that was just. That was the I was just in heaven. Variety ever found in an RPG of that period? Yeah, that you could carry around. That you could carry around with you. I mean, it, it felt like it, obviously it was more limited than Final Fantasy One. The world wasn't quite as big or anything like that. But uh, but I could carry it with me, and that that alone made the world feel so much bigger because the world of Final Fantasy One was limited to my television back at my house. <laughs> Final Fantasy Legend could go with me on the road when I was on a long trip or whatever have you, and that gave me more time to play around with different characters or different party builds and stuff like that. So. Fresh my memory. How long did four batteries get you with the original Game Boy? <laughs> Quite a while, actually. Yeah, because there was no... I remember that it was surprisingly high, but I just can't remember exactly how much. I, I, oh. I, remember, I remember when Pokemon, the first Pokemon game came out, I put a set, of new, a new set of four batteries on my Game Boy, and it lasted me through the entire playthrough of about 60 hours. Wow. Mm. Wow. Okay. Of course, I was also the habit of turning down the con- turning the contrast down every single time it started varying. So by the time the batteries finally gave out and I put new batteries in, the screen would show up black <laughs> because I turned down the contrast so low. You can't do that with anything nowadays. But... Hmm. Yeah. Um. Okay. Well, fair enough. If that's it, anything else? I have one thing to point out. All right. One more uh, thing. Just going with the whole nostalgia thing. This is an early musical appearance by Nobuo Uematsu. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's why they called it a Final Fantasy game. Hmm. There you go. That would make sense. Food for thought. And while our audience ponders that, we will just take a teeny tiny break. We'll be right back. understand this next title is going to provoke spontaneous bursts of applause from our panelists. Is that right? I'm sure it will. Final Fantasy Legend 2 uh, was released here um, in America on November 1st, 1991. It is released by a completely different title name that Mr. Baker can pronounce for us in a moment. <laughs> in Japan, December 14th, 1990, a year, almost a year before. Uh, of course, this was published by Square for your Game Boy. It is a console RPG experience, and it's rated T4... What? What's it rated? There were no ratings then. I'm telling you, it says right here, ESRB rating is T for teen. Of course, normally we attribute some other word to that letter, but... This is before even Sega did the ratings. I'm saying, it's just what it says right here. Maybe that was for the re-release. Remember when... Yeah, it was probably... Oh, maybe, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Release them. Okay, okay. So, fair it, enough. so if it has been rated, that means hope is not completely lost for that re-release, huh? Mm. Mr. Baker, how is this pronounced over in Japan? Saga to Hihodensetsu. Yeah, what he said. So, Saga to Legend of the Treasures. Mm. So let's talk about the treasures. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's a lot of them in that game. 
Does anyone remember how many of the things there were? Oh, don't quiz me on that. I think 77 was the official number. So. Hmm. Yep. That is a lot of treasure for a portable game in 1991. Yep. But they were also like the grand MacGuffin of the entire game. Like <laughs> everything in the story somehow connected to those treasures. Everything. Okay, so this was, uh, if I remember correctly, and, and it has been a very long time, so feel free to correct me on any of my ancient knowledge regarding this game, but you mm-hmm. could, uh, this this game, you could also pick what kind of party members you had, right? Yes. So you could pick from human, mutant, uh, monster, monster. And, and robot, right? Robot, yes. So we had a different we had a we had a third guy now we could we could bring on or a, a fourth different type of person we could pick robot Does, uh, what mm-hmm. what was different about the robot com- compared to the other ones? Uh, the robot stats were completely dependent on its equipment. Mm. So if you put a better sword on it, then its hit points and its strength would go up. Mm-hmm. Yep. Huh. So you're or essentially just... taking these items and plugging them into the robot. Yeah. But the only problem is that once you put them on the robot, their um, usage points would go by half. Go down by half. That's right, right, right. Yep. But but unlike the other characters um, that used weapons and stuff, when a robot wins to zero, um, uh, it, it could recharge when you went to an end, right? Yep. So you didn't necessarily have to throw away. No. Um, we haven't you know, mentioned the whole weapon durability aspect, have we? Yeah, no, we I was going to say, we haven't really talked about that yet. Yeah. Annoying, wasn't it? I never minded it. I, I guess I'm alone in that. I mean, at the beginning of Final Fantasy Legend 2, I never minded it that much because generally by the time you ran out of something, you had more than enough cash to buy the next one in the set. Yeah, I don't remember it being a big detriment, but again, it has been like, yeah. I don't know, 18 years since I played this, 20 years, something yeah, like that. It's, it's always been one of those things that people who don't like the series have always pointed out as one of the things that they hate about it. Mm-hmm. It's just, the weapons wear out. It's like, yeah, but it's amazing <laughs> how long you can stretch 40 uses of a longsword. It's like, okay. I remember it being a problem when I had items that I couldn't get a ready supply of, and my strategy depended on, like, (laughs) the tank. Yeah. That was the annoying part, was the later weapons, sometimes. I just wanted to run Odin over with a tank, several times. (laughs) Yeah, that would be fun. Then, uh, you know, in the one, uh, and in a monster's bit, one of the things I remember was, uh, I don't remember which game this became a big problem for me or whatnot, but I used to get a little ticked off sometimes when I have like a cool monster going, saw a piece of meat fall down, decided to eat it, and didn't realize to laugh at the fact that I turned into something weaker. And, and you can't really yeah, go back was... unless you load a save game. <laughs> yeah, that was a big issue with Final Fantasy Legend 2. The monster transformation things were... So I'm not even sure if anyone was ever able to make a chart of those because there was some random factor involved. <laughs> <laughs> That's so why was... I avoided using monsters. Well, 
Actually, yeah, you've eventually stopped using them in one and just continued that on in two. They did straighten it out a lot more for the remake, but for the original it was... I mean, if you use something obviously higher in level than what you had, then you were probably safe. If you're using something about the same level or a little lower, then you risk turning yourself into a fly person. <laughs> Which had, I think, one skill that was punch. It had like a strength that was single digits and a weakness to fire. And I think that was the entire monster right there. That's still pretty strong for a fly. <laughs> yeah, but still very easily swatted down by everything else in the game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Yep. Um. So that that was yeah that was pretty cool. <laughs> I I don't know I just I I so I half the time I just didn't bother taking a monster with me. Take a couple of you know humans and a mutants, maybe a robot. Screw the monster. I get cranky when I eat the wrong meat and turn to something weaker. <laughs> just makes me cranky. <laughs> That shouldn't, that shouldn't be allowed. I mean, he should, like, go up and sniff at it and growl at you or something. Give you a warning that it's about to eat something bad, you know? I, I don't know. Give you some sort of indication. Don't eat that. So was was the story in this one any deeper than the first one? Because I don't remember. Um, what kind Slightly? Of, the yeah. main character is looking for his dad who left to look for the treasures years ago and never came back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's very deep. <laughs> and he, he travels to different worlds, and it seems like each world has its own episodic story. Yeah. Like the first like, world is being invaded by an army from the second world, so you have to go to the second world and beat the boss there to stop it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the boss, the bad guy from the second world, had some of his monsters shrink down and infect a friendly character from the first world because she had some magic treasures in her body. Mm-hmm. So you had to go to the third world to find this magic potion to make you really small and go in there and get rid of them. Oh my god, I completely forgot about that part. So yeah, the fourth level of the game is actually kind of an inner space. Yes. Yeah, you have to go through her hands, her feet, her heart, her lungs, and her stomach. Oh. <laughs> Nice. Well, and that, finally, into the brain. Well, well, that accounts for the teen rating, doesn't it? There you go. <laughs> That's all. I don't, uh, to be honest, I don't really know what qualifies it for the teen rating. I know there was, like, uh, I think, like, alcohol and drug references in the original Japanese version, but they definitely weren't in the U.S. version. Well, I think going through a female's anatomy is good enough for the T rating, buddy. Uh, I don't uh, know. Uh, not the way they showed it. <laughs> it's educational. <laughs> it's a vaguely fleshy-looking dungeon. Uh, so, so what's this remake that y'all were talking about? No, no, Phil, Phil, we're not talking about that yet. I want to talk about the remake. <laughs> saving it. Wait for, for it. What? There's we're no, saving. There's no storyline to this game. The battle system hasn't much changed from the last one, except you got robots. Oh. All right, I see that apparently uh, Genbu, Byako, Seiryu, and uh, what's-his-face, the, the fourth one, are all 
Zachary? bosses in this game. Yes, thank you. Uh, there were bosses. I know those guys from Yu Yu Hakusho, so apparently they're all over the place in Japan. Is that right? Yeah, the four kings of heaven. Are they worthwhile bosses? Um, well, they were bosses in the first Final Fantasy Legend game, but they're monsters that you can change into in the second one. Okay. Yeah. Do they but, make any call cards? What? The bosses in the second one were mostly based on gods. There was Odin, yeah, yeah. who I mentioned earlier. I remember Aphrodite. Um, Ashura, Venus, Apollo, and Odin were. And some Jap- uh, Japanese um, guy who was translated as Magnate in the English version. I can't remember. Magnate? Magnate. That does not make me think of deities. No, but it was actually. I think. What was the Japanese name for him? His Japanese name was like some Japanese historical reference to the Civil War period of of Japan. And there wasn't a very good translation, I don't think. I'm astonished that a Game Boy game in the early 90s would not get the toppest, the most excellent <laughs> translation available in the world. <laughs> Clearly, the people who were translating Kurosawa movies for Laserdisc back then should have been put on this job. (laughs) Laserdisc, wow. Well, we're talking about the early 90s. DVD didn't exist yet. Yeah, I forgot all about Laserdisc. Those those really went far, didn't they? (laughs) Well, that was back when you couldn't get widescreen on VHS, so you had to watch Laserdisc, I think. Did they have widescreen TVs? Well, as opposed to pan and scan. Mm. Wow, I've derailed things quite a bit, haven't I? <laughs> we can talk about but Betamax. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Final Fantasy Legend 2 did actually have some, I guess you'd say the vestiges of a story. I mean, <laughs> you, you, you could kind of see where there was something going on in each world and your characters were just kind of walking through it as it happened. I mean, you had an invasion from the second world, you had um, like a totalitarian government in the Venus's world that was... Banana smuggling. Out, uh, banana smuggling in the <laughs> Japanese world. So that was always funny. <laughs> and, and you got to help the detective figure out what was going on, remember? You had to help her yeah. investigate the ships. I mean, there wasn't a lot of story, and it wasn't very well done, but there there was some there. This does sound like a much more substantive story than you would have found in pretty much any other Game Boy game of the time. Pretty much. And I right. honestly, I always figured that one reason why it was so minimalistic was because, again, they had so little space to work with on that cartridge. So they just well, they really... kind of went with the most minimalistic way that they could go and did what they could with it. Considering all the different worlds they managed to fit in the game, they did a pretty good job. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's a pretty good variety. They had a desert world, a giant world, a jungle, a... what else? Japanese world, and a racetrack. Okay, the first two reminded me of Super Mario 3. Now you're getting into more original territory. (laughs) (laughs) Forgot about the racetrack. I the Valhalla, so it was all cool. Ah, uh, Valhalla for all the Norse aficionados out there. Mm-hmm. Oh no, that was part of the, that was part of the fun. Um, whenever you died or had a full party wipeout in the game, you would appear before Odin, who would ask you if you wanted a second chance. 
So it was your way of just retrying the battle. But, oh, really? Yeah, but part of the deal was that if you ever actually met Odin face-to-face in the flesh, you would have to fight him. That was the part of the deal he made, because he wanted to see, or he wanted to uh, fight the world's greatest warriors, something like that. However, once you it's actually still... beat him, once you actually beat him, there's no more retries on battles. If you die, you die. Oh. That's still more creative than the standard game over screen. Quite, yeah. yeah well, apparently well, Kenji Ito turned in his first score for this. How did it sound on the Game Boy? Very nice. Fantastic. Wonderful. Brilliant. Remix as well. Yes. <laughs> well, anyway, oh. Did we ever finish and talking let's about see, the treasure? Are the visuals about the same as the first one? Um, little, I remember the monster, better. the monster pictures in battle were actually really nice. Some very nice um, monster portraits in battle. The thing is, in each battle, you, you'd only see up to three p- pictures of three monsters because each picture would represent a group of one to nine monsters. So you could actually Ouch. be fighting 27 monsters, and you'd only see three up there, because, but you could target groups. Well, that's understandable. The Game Boy probably couldn't handle that many sprites on screen at once. Yeah, yeah for, for an old Game Boy game, it's really aged quite well. Yeah, I mean, I can, I can still, even though I have the remake, I can still go back and play the original, and you know, battles still move pretty quickly. So, you know, it's aged better than say the original version of Final Fantasy One, which mm-hmm. I find pretty unplayable nowadays. Final Fantasy Seven. <laughs> let's let's not go there. Yeah, we, we we ranted on that for several hours last year. There's no need to revisit it. Besides, I think I anybody who listened to me talk about it got angry at me. So I was also, I was also thinking Final Fantasy Legend Two actually managed to do a pretty good job with having a fake final boss. Because oh yeah. At, towards the end, you're getting prepared for this big battle with Apollo, who has stolen all the treasures from you, and you have to get the secret number seventy-eight one and try to stop him before he can use the treasures to become an ultimate god. And so you're fighting him, and it looks like it's pretty much impossible to kill this guy. And then because he's missing one of the treasures, his body kind of uh, literally melts down and explodes rather grossly. And then, (laughs) yeah. And so then um, your dad, the main character's dad, actually almost gets killed blocking the damage um, so that you don't get hurt. And you try to use the treasures to save him, and the treasures are actually um, parts of a statue that comes to life and tells you to uh, get your butt down to the center of the world and help her keep the world from falling apart. (laughs) And so the real final boss of this game is a gigantic wall of cannons (laughs) <laughs> that's defending. That is defending the central point of the world to keep people from interfering with it. It's pretty intense. It's actually a really cool final boss. Yeah, I can't think of anything quite like that offhand. 
Well, there aren't really any games that are like this one, and I guess that's one of the best things you can say about it. <laughs> it's definitely unique. Well, okay. well, well, I guess to take a small break and move on no. to... No! No, not going to happen. Not going to happen, because you did answer my question. I've been sitting here Which pounding. question was that again? I've been sitting here pouting because Mr. Minky told me I couldn't talk about what I wanted to talk about yet. <laughs> oh, the remix. Thank okay. you. Talk about it. Maybe no. So. Not, not yet. <laughs> no. No, because we they are, remade the third one, too, so we need to about the third one first. <laughs> Why would we talk about the third one first if there's a remake about the second one? Because, Phil, the remakes introduce elements from later in the series, and thus it makes sense to talk about both of them concurrently. What he said. Mm-hmm. Let's just See, get three the out people of the way, who please. played the games and can talk about them agree with me. Uh, yes, let's get let's get let's save the best ones for last and get three out of the way. Yes, so we're going to talk yes, about the remake for two say. after we've talked about three. Right, and possibly a few right. of the others too. <laughs> a few of the others. Well, we're not talking about the entire saga series; just the ones tied into these Uh-oh. three games. But why not? Why can't we talk about Unlimited Saga? No, that's another show. <laughs> no, no. Do you want to be here until midnight? Saga is that's how long you're going to be talking about Saga if we let you. <laughs> okay. Fine, we'll be right back after these words. And they're not nice words. <laughs> <laughs> Legend 3 Trilogy, a.k.a. or whatever Mr. Michael said it was called. Final and this, Final yes, we should, Go ahead. I should mention that our own site boss, Mr. Michael Cunningham, says that this is the best of them. So I want everybody to keep that in mind when we're debating the merits of it. But he's not right. Final... <laughs> Final Fantasy Legend 3, developed and published by Square um, for the Game Boy, uh, another one of those great two-megabit cartridges, uh, released in North America September 29th in 1993, so certainly this must be better because it's a couple of years later. I mean, it must be all kinds of happiness and goodness, right? Right, we've gone all the way from the first Bush to the Clinton years, that makes all the difference in the world. Yeah, there you go. What's not to like about that? <laughs> uh, let's let the people who are in the know say. Okay. Uh, well, first, remember what I said about Final Fantasy Legend 2's story and about how space problems kept them to a very small story version, or small type of story? Mm-hmm. The guys who did Final Fantasy Legend 3 thought that they could actually do a story-driven Final Fantasy style plot with the Game Boy cartridge. Or at least they wanted to do it. Um, did they succeed? No. No. 
I mean, you, you have four main characters with names, with their own individual sprites who are introduced in a story-type fashion, and they have no character. Um, they hardly have any distinct dialogue in the entire game. <laughs> and it's... No. That's not a good way to start off a story-driven game. <laughs> no, it's not. Now, this is the one game in the entire series that has levels, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Is that a good thing? No. No. <laughs> it, it takes um, it sucks out everything that was original and neat about the first two games. In, in the first two games, I mean, yes, there was level grinding, but you could get your stats up almost every level. There was always some sort of immediate reward for battling. And one of my best memories of Final Fantasy Legend 3 was simply trolling for higher level enemy encounters late in the game because I wanted to push my levels up a few more. And it just took forever. I mean, it's probably the grindiest game in the series. <laughs> the, ba the battles are also slower because they added mm -hmm. animations. Mm -hmm. Well, they added in more animations and didn't work as well. Yeah, no. You know, the, the biggest memory about this game for me is, you know, when I was a kid, I kind of had a problem with the first two as I always wanted, like, a true portable Final Fantasy. And, you know, when this one finally came along, it was just like a, you know, be careful what you wish for moment. And I think yeah, it took I, this game for memories. me to appreciate... Yeah, it took this game for me to appreciate what I had played in the first two. Yeah, I think I actually wrote a, an editorial to um, to Nix like a year and a half ago, like when we were still waiting for the Saga 2 remake, that pretty much said the same thing. <laughs> so, but, but when, I was, when I was 12, Saga, uh, Final Fantasy Legend 3 seemed better because it was more Final Fantasy. And then a couple years later, went back to both of them, and I thought, what the hell? <laughs> um, Final Fantasy Legend 3 was boring, and Final Fantasy Legend 2 was still interesting because it had all that variety in there. Yeah. Now, just, apparently, still... this is the only game in the series also that has no Kawazu at the helm. Yep. Yes. Apparently it shows. Yeah, Very yep. So. Um, what was it? From what I remember, he was busy, his group was busy trying to do Romancing Saga for Super Nintendo, and so they farmed it, farmed it out to a different group in the company. The group that went on to make Final Fantasy Legend, um, uh, Final Fantasy Mystic Quest. Yes, many people remember Mystic Quest. Yes, I actually, actually liked Mystic Quest, although I don't know, I don't know why. I mean, it was nice, kind of it was easy, and had good music. Yeah, we'll say, we'll say a lot of bad things about this game, but I don't, but I don't think it's actually a bad game anyway. Anyway, it's just, you know... Apologize for that uh, technical error, but we are back. What were you trying to say, Mr. Apps? Uh, what I was saying is, we're, you know, we're being really down on this game, but I don't, I don't really think it was a bad game in any way, shape, or form. It's just, you know... Not as good. Kind of, kind of generic. I guess would be but the best thing. But it's three, and three is higher than two or one. In fact, if you put one or two together, you get three. So certainly, 
<laughs> this game must be as awesome as the combined awesomeness of those two titles. But there's been lots of, you know, series where the third game is bad. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of one but offhand. Games... But... Super Mario Games 3. three. Super Mario 3 was more awesome than 1 and 2 put together. That's true. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So Final Fantasy 3. How about Easy the real three. Final Fantasy Not 3? Is it more awesome than 1 and 2 put together? <gasps> oh my gosh, remember Final Fantasy 3 in America, at least, you know? Our Final Fantasy 3 was awesome. Final Fantasy 3, the real one. It was awesome. They're both Never. awesome. Mm-hmm. So, you, so you've got a bunch of set characters instead of all the mutants and humans and robots and monsters grouped together, right? Yeah, right. Well, the, char- the main characters have two humans and two mutants. Um, Are there any that's... elements of the earlier games that have been incorporated? Well, you can you can use meat from monsters or bolts from robots to change your characters back and forth across um, to cyborgs, robots, monsters, and beastmen. But Ooh, the actual cyborgs. number, but the actual number of transformations possible is a lot lower than in the second game. Hmm. I did yeah, I like don't... the differentiation between cyborg and robot. I thought that was a fun addition. The so cyborgs get... were. Mm-hmm. more middle of the road and the robots were more out there in terms of stats. Same with uh, the Beast Band monster division. Yeah, but sometimes you had to wonder why they chose the mo- the enemies they chose for cyborgs and robots because the flower type enemies are robots in that game. <laughs> the The merman <laughs> enemies are cyborgs in that game. Well, that makes... Perfect sense. When I think the, of cyborgs, headless, I think of things underwater. The headless horseman monster was a cyborg. Well, I mean, how else could they be going without a head? You know, they got to be robots yeah. or something. Yep, or something. Maybe, maybe it's a cyber head in their stomach. Sleepy Hollow. Clearly, Legend of Sleepy Hollow was originally about a cyborg. That's what <laughs> this game is telling us. It was the first cyberpunk. Terminator. I'll be back. Yeah, again and again and again. <laughs> he probably will be too, because he's no longer governor. Mm-hmm. The governor. Oh. He was doing such a good job too. <laughs> let's not get into that. <laughs> so let's see. Somebody else does the music for this one. How is it? Eh. Not bad. Not memorable. I know. I, I remember a few dungeon themes that just stuck in my head for years afterwards, but. Yeah. And how does it look? Um, Obviously, if they're incorporating so much memory into the memorable dialogue, then the looks will have to be on par, right? Actually, I. You- I thought the monsters in battle looked worse than in Final Fantasy Legend 2. Mm-hmm. A lot impressive. worse. <laughs> yes, it is, isn't it? Yes, truly, this, uh, this is an argument against the theory of automatic progress as time goes on. Mm-hmm. And what's more fun, since the uh, first half of the game involves, or supposedly involves time travel between three points, past, present, and future, um... 
several of the towns get reused um, across the board. So there, there's one town where they just reuse the same floor plan three times and just change <laughs> all the people in the town. Hey, that's getting the most out of your resources. Mm-hmm. Well, we all know that developers have continued to do this ever since. So this was a great blueprint for future developers to use. <laughs> yeah, but compared to all the really different locations you ended up in within the first few hours of Final Fantasy Legend 3, the fact that nothing really changes in terms of appearance for almost the same amount of time in Final Fantasy Legend 3, it just, yeah. Yeah. Oh, did I just skip it twice? No. I think you did. Okay, sorry. First first half of the statement was for Final Fantasy Legend 2. The second was for Legend 3. Okay. Ah, that helps. Okay. Thank you. So, please come to a, a consensus. Why would Max Storm think that this one is the best? The final boss is scary. The final boss looks like a pile of dirt with earthworms sticking out of it. <laughs> and then the earth opens up and there are these jagged mouths and they're angry screaming oh yeah that part too probably because they just got through playing the game themselves I'm sorry that slipped out <laughs> slipped out <laughs> so the final boss is pretty good yeah but it was or a easy. pile of dirt with worms in it yeah <laughs> they're tentacles with cilia coming off of them it's like double tentacles mm-hmm Ew. Fractal tentacles, even. Yeah. Fractal tentacles. (laughs) Yeah, tentacles have tentacles, have tentacles, have tentacles, have tentacles. Mm -mm -mm. (laughs) Not even going to touch that. Honestly, honestly, I think the reason why a lot of people like this game better is just because it uses a more familiar system. I mean, it is very. It is definitely a Final Fantasy clone. It doesn't do anything weird or easily misunderstood with its leveling systems. I think that's the general reason why people don't usually like saga games. Because they don't follow this you know, the standard conventions. And that's why this game is so disappointing. Because it it sticks to the conventions all the way through. Yeah. Well we can probably chalk that up to Kawazu having nothing to do with it originally, right? Yeah. Yes. But he was involved with the remake. But we'll get to that. Uh, you, know, you know, that sounds like a segue attempt, so we might as well go with it. <laughs> Do we have to? <laughs> hey, Phil, I think we're about to take, after this break, a journey into the games that you wanted us to talk about so desperately just a few minutes ago. And we're going to be doing that in Mike's Import Corner in just a few more moments. All of your questions. It definitely is Mike's import card. That's right. All of your questions and mine will be answered by Mike himself. We'll be right back. Hush. Nobody asked you. Hush. (laughs) Quiet on the set. We'll be back.
Mr. Mike, what are we talking about today in Mike's Import Corner? <laughs> it sounds like we're going to talk about a certain remake and then a certain other remake that we are looking increasingly unlikely to ever see outside of Japan. Aww. So, Saga 2 for the DS. Let's hear how awesome it is. Very. Oh, bring it to me now. <laughs> okay, well, the, unfortunately the story doesn't have really anything different to it, but the graphics, very nice graphic remake, and they did some interesting things to the battle system, too. Um, for example, combos. Um, there's an option in the game where you can combo with other characters, and it'll just start flashing all these insane attacks across the screen. Ooh. Yeah. I mean, um, honestly, Saga 2 DS is almost... It really is the same game with a very nice-looking interface added. And it still plays really, really well, which I, I think is more of, a, more of a testament to the original game's quality than anything else, because it, yeah, this one's they much didn't more have of a... To, yeah, they didn't what? have to change a thing. Just make it nicer. Nicer-looking, yeah. I mean. Yeah. But they did change a few things. I mean, I mean, uh, let's see. What did they bring in from earlier games and series? Like now, all the monsters that you encounter, you can actually see them on the world map and maneuver around them. Which is always a nice thing in a modern RPG. And even better if you if you uh, get or if you hit one and it's too close to other monsters in the area, you'll end up with linked battles, up to four monster groups at a time. Which means that you get some really large battles in that game. Um, towards the end, it's possible to get 50 monsters against four of you. 50 monsters? Oh my yep, god. six groups. I really six need to play through the, all the way through this game. Yep. Yeah, Look, six groups of monsters, shit. nine yeah. monsters per group, and it rounds down to 50. But they also give oh. you lots of hit group attacks, hit all attacks... I mean, by the time it becomes more of a problem, you have Flare, for example, and that, that'll just take out everything on the screen. <laughs> so I have a question for you, since I was too afraid to even mess around with creating any monster characters at all. Have they improved that system at all in this one? A lot. A lot? A lot. Does it work, um, does it work any it's differently? Um, it's less random, actually. That's good. And but you also, can still become a little fly man. I, I never became a fly by accident in that game. Ooh. Well, that's good. Yeah. That is good. Um, basically, um, there's various tiers of monsters, various um, level sets of monsters, five in all, and the top one is god level. And within, if, you, if you eat monster meat within the same group, you cannot go down in level. Oh. Yeah. Oh, bonus! That, they heard me complain. Plus. <laughs> and plus, um, in the original game, in the original game, the only way to get god tier monsters was to eat meat from one of, from either of two sub bosses in the final level. But there were only two of these mo these bosses available, and so you could only get two monsters at that high level in the entire game uh, for the original Game Boy. And they. Um, they make it a little easier to get these guys in the remake. Hmm. Yeah, the, it's do you still part of... get? Do you still get challenged by Odin if you lose at a fight? 
Yeah. Yeah, um, Odin will revive you up until the point where you kill him. And how close is that to the end? Um, it's about a world and a half away from the end. Let's say about 85 to 90 percent of the game through you fight Odin, and then the rest of the game is um, if you get killed, you're out of luck. So let's see. Um, one, two, three, four. Let's say five, uh, six boss encounters after Odin. Okay. Yep. What's this I'm reading about muses up and out in the remake? Those weren't That's a one part of. The- it's one of the new things they included. Um, they have a lot of side quests that they added to the game, just little um, little scenarios. And some of them center around these minor goddesses called the Muses. And the Muses will reward you for certain types of tactics used in battle. So, for example, the first Muse that you meet, her name's Calliope, uh, she'll give you uh, points for finishing battles quickly. So anytime you beat everything in one round, she gives you points. So it's measured and by the turns you take instead of a, a clock ticking down? It's measured by turns you take because it's still very turn-based. Okay. But yeah, each muse has different criteria that they reward. Like the second muse that you meet will reward you for overkill. <laughs> the, the, the more ridiculously outmatched the enemy is, the more points she gives you. Maximum of 50. And then there's a muse that rewards defense. There's one that rewards healing. There's one that will reward you for taking tons of damage. So So the the masochist muse. (laughs) Actually, yes. she's, she's She's very much into leather. She carries a whip. And her personal little room in the muse world is full of swords. Okay. So, yeah, there's very, <laughs> there's very much a bondage don't... theme there, yes. So that's the T rating. <laughs> <laughs> uh, quite possibly, yeah. But um, among other things, when you, when you build up a lot of these points, um, at certain points in the game you'll have a chance to visit the world of the fates, the goddesses of fate, and you can buy items from them using these points that you, then you can use to link attacks in battle. So you, you need to, basically, you need to keep these goddesses happy in order to be able to use the stronger attacks in the game. And then as you gain favor with the muses and you give them various items that they've lost, then um, sometimes they'll actually appear in battle to help you. Which, Is that random or can you control it at all? It's unfortunately really random. But it's very welcome when it does happen. It's good to know that a, even a lesser god can be very helpful in battle. Yeah. No, I mean, there's, um, like, the first, again, the first goddess, Calliope, when she shows up, she heals everybody in your party to full, even if they're, even if they're knocked unconscious. And that's that one of the... Curious. And that's one of the few ways to revive fallen characters in this game. They don't make it very easy on you if somebody gets knocked out. So there's no such thing as Phoenix Down? No. 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 
it is really difficult to revive a character once they've been knocked out. Is the game challenging as a result? Yes. Especially the final boss. So. Oh. oh, but ooh, ooh, they had some fun with the final boss. <laughs> um, I can't wait to see that. Oh, yeah. Oh, do you want to hear? <laughs> Would you like to hear? Um, no, but talk about oh. it. I'll take, my, I'll take my headset off for a minute. All right, okay, so, yes, alert us when you come back. Okay. So yeah, so the um, yeah the in the original game the final boss had a couple stages. It had a stage where it was firing cannons at you. It had a stage where it would start preparing and then it would blast fire out of its central area. It's really cool for a Game Boy boss. And so it was, I guess you could call it a three stage battle. And the DS version of the boss is seven to nine stages long, depending on how you play it. Mm-hmm. So you so you get the cannons section, you have the reverse cannons section, you have the transforms into a giant robot humanoid robot section, has switches out with the other boss in the area section, and then everything merges together and you have a just a what-the-hell moment where you have to work really hard to survive long enough to kill it. It's, it's nasty. It's also really cool. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. But, I think the spoilers oh, are done. <laughs> I think, oh, I think oh, everybody I... left the podcast. <laughs> ah. Okay, well... In, in the original, I mean, in the original game, um, you had a had a helper, a goddess accompanying you all the way down to the bottom of the of the level. But but right before the final boss, she has to leave because there's actually two of the things in the room. She has to take out one. You have to take out the other. Mm. Well, about halfway through the battle in the DS remake, the two versions of the boss of the final boss start playing tag team with you. Oh, nice. Where, yeah, you, where you're wailing on one of them, it takes enough damage, it just switches out with the other one, and you have to take out the other one. And if you don't take it out fast enough, it'll they'll switch back again. And again. So, um, that part of the game could, or that part of the battle could take one, one or two rounds, or it could take ten. Depending <laughs> on how, how good you're doing at this. And then, just for the hell of it, the two, the two, um, different versions of the defense system merge together and make something that looks a bit more appropriate to a Super Robot Wars title. Huh. Yes. If that point isn't here, we could uh, get his take on this. Yep. And then, then it pulls out a tractor beam. It sucks the goddess character, um, your helper character, into it and uses her as a power source. Well, that's not very nice. And then, for more fun, it has one attack, and that is called Double Starburst. It hits everybody in your party for about 50% damage every round. So, do you you have good group healing abilities, or do you have to heal individually? Oh, there's group healing abilities, and if you're smart, you have about two or three of them on each person. I can see why. 
Because, again, everything in this game has durability points. And by this point in the battle, you're probably going to be running kind of low on healing. <laughs> and that's not even the end of it. Um, once you've done enough damage to it, in spite of the massive hit group hit attacks, then it starts charging up a final attack. And so is, in order is this to... like the uh, the demon wall in Final Fantasy IV or something similar? Um, again, the better comparison would be Super Robot Wars in scope of attack. Um, but the entire point of this section is a section of the battle is you have to hit this thing really hard, really fast in order to cancel the attack, or you're dead. Yeah. So and... that's the final phase. Can we can we tell them it's safe yet? Okay, it's safe. Sure. But I will say that it makes it very, very, even more difficult to have an all-monster party in DS Remake. Because <laughs> healing will always be an issue. That was a long discussion. Well, it, that just tells you how much you've got to look forward to when it comes time to take on the final battle. Well, that is fantastic. Mm-hmm. What party would you be going up against with this for this thing? Two humans, two mutants. Then you four monsters. Four monsters. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I tried it with four monsters. After a dozen attempts to beat that thing, I finally just gave up. Mm. Yeah, I managed to get it to. I'm I'm pretty sure I was within a few thousand hit points of killing the thing, and it. Was with I was always within three hit points of killing me. Every round, <laughs> very outmatched. Hmm. Well, anything else you'd like to add before we move on? Um, they did some really nice stuff with the music for the remake. Oh, the menu music, the main menu music. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. Um. And um. Oh. Um, do, you, do either of you guys remember the hyper cannon from Final Fantasy Legend 2? Uh, somewhat. It, it was this rare weapon. You could only find one in the entire game. You had to go through the nasty dungeon. Literally, that's what it's called, the nasty dungeon, in order to get it. It has three uses. Yeah, don't laugh at the name. The name is Truth in Advertising. And um, <laughs> the, the hyper cannon's thing was it killed stuff. As long as it wasn't a boss, it would kill it. Okay, that, that's that's the only Guaranteed. thing that's with it. Hmm? Guaranteed, as in it, there would, it would never fail. Guaranteed, as long as as long as the target was not a boss, or like wasn't Odin or Apollo or the final boss. Yeah, it would kill it. But in the Game Boy game, it was just these kind of like anime-ish balls of light going across the screen. In the um, in the DS remake, it's still anime-ish, but it's more of an Akira anime um, <laughs> weapon. As in, you, you're, not, you're not carrying the thing. When you use it, it shows the character holding a box with a big red button. And they press the button. <laughs> and then the, the, camera, the camera pans up to an orbital laser cannon that fires off and you can see the clouds 
suddenly dispersing in a huge circle around where this laser's coming down. <laughs> and it just blasts the blast battlefield and everything dies. I think that I think that calls for nuke him from orbit. It's the only way to be sure. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um uh, seriously, it was like um I decided to use it one battle um, because I knew it would just kill stuff, and it was in one of the optional arena battles where they just like throwing huge numbers of enemies at you, so I figured, hey, why not? And then it, it, the attack happened, and I was just staring at the DS thinking, what the hell? <laughs> it was, yeah. <laughs> it was hilarious. Oh, man, it was just amazing. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. I think that means that's we can talk about. Uh, yeah. Does that mean we can talk about how the Saga Three remake has improved the original? Sure. Yes. Yes. Well, can, you, can you really fact, improve on perfection? <laughs> I mean, come on, guys. Make characters an actual personality. That would help a lot. I think you're asking for a bit much now. Hey, right, the DS that. can't possibly handle that much information. No, because this thing was two megabits. I mean, holy cow. How in the heck are you going to squeeze it onto one tiny DS cartridge? Exactly. <laughs> one fourth the size. Mm-hmm. Uh, so tell us, how did how could you possibly how could this possibly improve on the perfection that was Final Fantasy uh, Legends three? Well. First of all, most games have most games. The side quests are just little things like hunt this monster, find this item, and in the remake for Saga Three, about thirty of the side quests were actually story of some sort. Um, maybe it was just really minor story, but it was still story. And about, I th- well, what did I say in the review? About at least six of the side quests had more character development by themselves than you could find in the entire original game. Get out! Oh, that that is that is if anything underplaying the or yeah the actual amount of character development in those sections. Of course, it also says something about how little character development the original game had. It didn't need a lot of character development. The characters were so perfect as they were, they didn't need to be developed further. They were so perfect that they had no personality. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I wish I had a video camera on you guys right now so I could actually see you holding back laughter. Okay. <laughs> I thought you were going to say so you could see how tall our boots were that we're wearing. Because it's getting deep in here. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, um, there's a series of side quests in Saga 3DS that are just about the other named characters from the first town. The characters who are actually important to the story in the original game that they don't really do anything. Like um, the cyborg? Hmm? Like the Uh, kid who grows up to be a cyborg? Yeah, he's one of them. Um, okay. Dion, Faye, and Lara are the three character names. And each of them has their own special scenario, which honestly looked 
and sound, um, just looked a lot more like something you would find in the main body of a quest or of a story in a, any other RPG out there. It was actually really now, good. as I recall, Mr. Kawazu was actually involved with this remake, which might ac- account for some of the positive changes, right? Yeah, um, he was involved, but he wasn't actually. I don't think he was actually doing anything in the project. Yeah, um, probably both, not. Yeah, both remakes, both of the DS remakes, were done by a company called Rakagene, and I'm I know from interviews that they were working with Kawazu for ideas. <laughs> But most of the implementation was theirs. Well, they did a great job with the battle system, at least. It really... Oh, definitely. It makes it feel, finally, like it's actually a member of the Saga series. So no more levels? No. Instead, um, it's like like Final Fantasy Legend 2, where the characters um, level up stats according to what they're using. So if you're using like rapiers and sabers or spears, you end up leveling up agility more. Or if you're using axes and greatswords, you level up strength more. But the big difference is that now, instead of just leveling up one thing after battle, um, the characters actually level up or have stat increases in the middle of battle. They can also learn new abilities for each weapon. In battle. In battle. Now that's a trait from later from other games in the series, right? Yeah, yeah. that's that's something that first really appeared in Romancing Saga too. The more or less, um, Romancing Saga the the original actually was Romancing Saga the original had uh, skills that were mapped to each weapon that you could learn, but you only learned them after the battle. And Saga Three DS, you have something similar with each weapon having three attack slots for skills that you can learn, but you can learn them in the middle of battle and then use them the next turn. Also, the nice thing about this is uh, your weapons don't wear out. You can repair them at the, at the end. So for people that don't like, for whatever reason, the original system, it's, it's still not in this game. Yeah. But the... I'd really like to see more of this battle system. Yeah. You know. And what? Hmm. Okay. Any other final thoughts? Of course, course another thing to point out is um, the durability points in Final Fantasy or in Saga 3DS are actually part of the weapon's attack system. Like basic attacks will only take one point off the durability, but stronger attacks will take off more. Yeah, it it really feels like a mix of the older Saga games and the newer Saga games to make something even better than probably either of them. Yeah. And it and, does the same thing for magic as well. Um, the spell books you get in the game, they all start off with one spell, and you you can learn up to four spells per spell book. Yep, so you know, yep. you'll start out with the basics... You know, the basic version that can only hit one person and then eventually can level it up to get, like, a an area attack. And it's, it's just... It's really, really fun. Anything noteworthy about the visuals? Uh, as good as Saga too. Anything crazy, like we just heard about that hypercannon? Um... Let me think. 
Well, the uh, the time traveling airship looks really cool this time around. Really cool. Sure. About about half of the major bosses looked like that looked like they were directly inspired by an H.P. Lovecraft story. <laughs> I mean, you have worms with bat wings and an eyeball in the middle of their fanged mouth, for example. <laughs> you have the uh, the final boss no longer looks like a ball of mud with earthworms sticking out, but now he's a weird tentacled horror. He starts out red with kind of closed eyeballs, and then changes purple and has open mouths instead. And then there's a new final, third form of the final boss, which I'm not even going to mention, but which is really cool. So, Are you refraining from spoilers on RPG Backtrack? Well, okay, it's a pretty new game. I guess I can give you that. Oh, no, I'm only doing it for wheels because he hasn't gotten to this guy yet. Yes. Yeah. All but, right, fair enough. Don't, oh, do not spoil anything for me. Well, would you like to hear anything about the super secret special ending, then? Well, since I can't read the story, I don't think it would bother Stay me. Stay strong. <laughs> All right, no, no, I don't want to hear okay, anything. Okay, no. Cl- Cliff's Notes, Cliff's Notes version. Okay, so there are, for um, some of these big story side quests in the middle of the game, if you do them right, if you choose the right, if you make the right choices going through them, then at least in the new game plus, it's possible to activate a secret scenario after you beat the final boss. Ooh. And the entire point of the scenario is to actually try to explain some of the massive gaping plot holes in the game story. Well, now, wait a minute, wait a minute, I, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. The only reason there'd be plot holes is if somehow this quote-unquote improvement of yours made those holes, because the first, the, the first version of it was so perfect, there were no holes. Oh, this game keeps most of the first game story intact, and there are huge plot holes. For example, you got time travel, you have a time-traveling airship. Right. Why can you only travel and travel in 15-year increments? Well, okay, come on now. Okay, the, the, the thing's got a gas tank. You know, you got to gas up every 15 years or so, okay? <laughs> it gets 15 years to the gallon or a year to the gallon, whatever it is. You got to... St- come on, man. This, this isn't rocket science. Don't be trying to knock my no, perfect it's game. Science. It's, it's trans-dimensional wormhole science. Go yeah. ahead. Yeah, well, I'm just saying, anyway, don't yeah, knock it. That's partly explained in the super-secret final ending, among other things. Uh, and it actually works out very well. That's admirable that they actually went ahead and did that. Yes. Yep. Plus, they made a really cool choice for the final, um, the secret final boss, which I'm not even going to mention. <sighs> yes. So, long and story short... Both- you should play this version instead of the original, even if you don't know Japanese. Would yes. you agree with that? Yes. And speaking of which, I've, I mean, my DS is currently charging in the corner right now, but as soon as I have a chance, I'm going to be taking on that super secret final boss for the second time and seeing if I can beat him this time. Awesome. I couldn't beat it with an all-mutant party, so um, I switched everyone to Beastmen instead. Which, actually, that's not something we mentioned. Um, yeah. In, in, this game, in this game, for the, mon- for the transformations, monsters are just one huge group. And then the beastmen, the cyborgs, and the robots are all independent character types that have the same type and same uh, bat- combat system, stat learning system, or stat gaming system. 
but they all have different specialties and different um, biases towards certain um, stats. It's taking a lot for me not to just put this game in my DS right now and sign off this podcast. No, don't you do that. No, we need you later. You stay right there. You're staying after class. All right, well, we better wrap this up before, you know, before before he gets too itchy here on the trigger finger. So, well, Mr. Baker has to get to work pretty soon anyway. Yeah. We really what, appreciate me? Oh, no, this is my day off today. Oh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, if you were doing this any other day of the week, I'd have to leave in about 15 minutes. Huh. Coolie, coolie. Yep. All righty. Well, uh, we'll take a few minutes. We'll be right back. A run around a bunch of Segas there. Or Sagas, or Sugas, or Sugas. Yes, I find it interesting that not one of these games was on a Sega console. Look, look, here in America, (laughs) it was in... Mr. Baker, here in America, we call them Sega games. Now, what you call them in Japan is your own business, all right? You want to call them Sega or Sakatuki? The actual pronunciation of the word in English. In Japan. In Japan. But here in America, where we don't speak English, we speak American, we pronounce things the way we want. Yes, that's very obvious. You speak American with all that implies. Yes. Mm -hmm. I should issue this proviso that he is speaking American in its specific Utah variant, which may not apply elsewhere. (laughs) (laughs) Anywho, thank you all so much. Thank you to all of our friends who have been writing us on the boards. Mr. Miki, have you been seeing anything new, fun, exciting, and interesting lately? I was kind kind of surprised there wasn't too many comments about our Pokemon backtrack. Not too many that we can legitimately read on here. Most of them seem to devolve into comparisons of how awesome various Pokemon are. A very, which, uh, I, think, I think was already done. Yeah, very important conversation to have, but we already did that for like an hour and a half on the cast itself. So uh, we won't go there anymore. Um, yeah, got to catch them all. Um, wow. And so <laughs> – well, on the next uh, RPG Backtrack, we're doing our monthly uh, roundup episode where we are going to talk about the recent games that came out two years ago. we got a whole list of them, so you'll want to tune in for that. Um, I guess I could go through them real fast. Room Factory Frontier, Pokemon Platinum, Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles Echoes of Time, The Last Remnant, Fancy Star Portable, Avalon Code, Mana Camia, or Camia, or whatever it's called here, Student Alliance, and Suikoden Tear Crease. we got all of those games... And maybe some more. No, we don't have any more. That's it. Uh, coming up on RPG Backtrack number 39. I think that'll be enough. I, I don't think I've played a single one of those games. Mm. Well, oh, wow. that's why you'll want to listen to number 39 so that you can determine whether you need to go back and buy them. Because now they're two years old. Most of those guys you can get for free. And some of them you wish you never picked up even if it was for free. So that's why you need to listen. 
uh, in case you missed those guys. It seemed like a, obviously, I guess 2009 uh, March was a very uh, prolific month for all these games to be coming out. But anywho, maybe it was something about that the first couple months of Obama. That's the only explanation. Yeah, they, they <laughs> wanted to impress him with all these really great games. Hey, hey, Suikoden is good. <laughs> you know, well, when we're, we have eight games to talk about. Generalizations will happen. This mm-hmm. is true. All right, all right. I'll uh, let it slide this time. Mm-mm-mm-mm. Um, Mr. Minky, thank you so much for doing an outstanding job of getting all these great people together and organizing this. You're awesome. Is there uh, anything you want to share with the audience before we leave? Uh, let's see. I just reviewed Dragon Quest Six. I, unless somebody decides to give me Okami Den to review, which I don't really see happening, then I won't have any new games to review soon. But, um, uh, I'll I'll be reviewing other things. That's just what I do now, and eventually I'll have more reviews than anyone else on the site because I apparently have nothing better to do with my time. <laughs> we'll send you. Aww. We'll send you a free copy of Final Fantasy Legends. How's that? I need to get a, a GBASP then, because I, I can't play original Game Boy games on the DS. Oh, this is true. This is true. Mm-hmm. Um, and Mr. Baker, thank you so much for your insight today. Is there anything you want to share with the audience before we leave? Um, I'm just happy, kind of happy to be here. It's been interesting. Been fun and exciting. <laughs> Have we scared you away? Will you come back again? Well, if you can schedule it for a time where I can actually come on, sure. <laughs> Mr. Apps. Yes. Anything you want to share with the audience before we leave? Uh, read the this week's Q and A. The winners for the sequel pitching contest because there's a really somebody sent in a really hilarious uh, Chrono Trigger fan art that everybody should see. Hmm. Mummy Trigger. It's great. Mummy Trigger. There you go, Mr. Zach. Yes. Anything you um, would like to share? Hey, he just put up a review. I noticed it. What was yeah. it? Yeah, tell us a little <laughs> bit, real quick. T- Tactics over. Uh, let us cling together. It's. Uh... I want to cling to you too, Zach. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> that was out of bounds, man. But he said, "Let us cling just together." Stranger danger. <laughs> Stranger. <laughs> Not unless you sing it, Phil. Hmm. I'll take that as a no. He's not going to sing it. Mm-mm. So go ahead, Zach. No singing it. It's for the director's cut of the podcast. Uh, it's a <laughs> good game. I gave it high marks. And if anyone wants to attack those marks, come on the bulletin board and you'll be wrong. Did, did you give it a 4.5? I did. Holy sweet mercy, man. I expect you to go back right now and play Final Fantasy Legends 3 because we know that game is better and I want to see you get a 5 out of 5. <laughs> right now. Make it so. Um, anywho. Uh, <laughs> 
to our audience, we thank you for listening and putting up with us here at RPG Backtrack. As always, you are the reason we do this. RPG Backtrack is a production of RP Gamer, your source for RPG news, impressions, reviews, articles, and home to the best gaming community on the net. Write your questions and comments on our boards or email jcservantrpgamer.com and help shape our future shows. Don't forget to follow us at twitter.com slash rpgamer and become our biggest fans on facebook.com slash rpgamer. As always, listen to our previous podcast as well as our two awesome sister shows RPG Cast and RPG Sanctum at rpgamer.com. Mr. Miki, take us home. Mutants and monsters traveling through time? Why, yes, that sounds intriguingly fine. This is a series Square Enix seems to have forgotten outside Japan. A very sad event, as our panel has shown it's a bad plan. Handheld editions in English stopped years ago, but that's no reason to give up hoping for a new flow. (laughs) 